global renal function. And essentially, this talk is about estimation equations and the recent um, papers and the recommendation from the NKF and the American Society of Nephrology about removing race from our estimation equations. And primarily um, for the fellows, I want one of the take home messages from today to be that estimates are not equivalent to measurements. And the subtitle is servicing, service, serving justice, avoiding harm. I have no disclosures uh, starting around 2017, but reaching, I think, um, uh, a fever pitch in 2020 with the um, George Floyd murder was increasing calls to remove race from a variety of clinical algorithms. And these started to appear in some very high profile journals, the New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, and this is particularly talking here about uh, uh, the estimation, estimation equations that used um, race. Uh, here's the American Journal of Medicine, why racial justice requires accuracy. Um, um, a opinion in, the, in Nature um, that was asking if the biased algorithms are delaying healthcare for black people, although it sort of cautioned that the best way to fix the problem was unclear at that point. And, and then this in JAMA that, um, um, first, that said, first, do no harm, meaning we need to have a path forward before we drop the race coefficient. And the problem at hand is fairly simple, uh, and that's that race is a social and not a biological construct, and the categorization of people by race can contribute to disparities in all sorts of ways, um, um, in uh, our private lives, to education, to housing, to employment, and in our own practice to healthcare. Um, and um, the use of race uh, in all areas of medicine, especially in GFR estimation, has become controversial. And as long as we keep using uh, race in our equations um, uh, and um, um, categorize people by the differences based on race or ethnicities, it can amplify disparities in access to care and contribute to a higher disease burden and obviously perpetuate discrimination. Whether or not the race correction is right or wrong is not the issue. It's just the fact that you're actually using race to come to a, a conclusion about kidney function. And so the goal was born to identify race-neutral alternatives to estimate kidney function that was at least as accurate as the estimation equation we currently have, which is the CKDAP equation. And again, uh, for primarily for um, the fellows and our uh, nurse practitioners, here are my objectives. Review the available tests of global renal function and our understanding of normal definitions and limitations of CKD staging, learn about new estimation equations. And by the way, this presentation I gave um, last Thursday to the Diagnostic Services Subcommittee of, the, you know, of this hospital and made a recommendation for how we should be doing estimation, estimating GFR going forward. But that was my opinion. And really, I think all of you ought to have a say in what uh, we should be doing, or at least recommending what we should be doing. And then I want to talk about measuring GFR and estimating GFR at special thresholds, um, you know, around 90 for establishing normal, uh, for establishing CKD, which is really establishing CKD3, which is a GFR about 60, 
transition from CKD3 to CKD4, which is an EGFR of 30. And then when it comes to kidney transplant waitlisting, an EGFR of 20 gets you on the waitlist. If you're already eligible for a liver transplant, getting to an EGFR of 30 means you get onto the kidney waitlist as well. And pretty soon, I suspect we're going to see similar criteria for combined heart and kidney transplant. So these special thresholds are really important because if you're on one or the other side of that threshold, you may lose out or gain access to uh, certain privileges. Why is it important to measure global kidney function? Well, it's obvious. You'd want to know if kidney disease is present so that you can refer, evaluate, cure, or manage. But you also importantly want to verify that kidney function is normal uh, for other purposes. For you know, living kidney donors need to have normal kidney function. Um, this is probably really important in insurance underwriting. Uh, life insurance premiums and disability insurance premiums will go up and long-term care insurance is likely denied to anybody with um, advanced chronic kidney disease. You'd want to make appropriate determinations about drugs um, contrast studies, and again, there may be special thresholds where decisions are made about the use or the non-use of metformin, the use and non-use of SGLT2 inhibitors, the use and non-use of, uh, of uh, gadolinium contrast or iodinated contrast. So this is a big deal, and we tend to take those threshold values as absolute. And again, I want you to remember that these are estimation equations, not um, uh, real measurements. And um, some um, practitioners in the community use EGFR as the sole criteria for deciding when to start dialysis. So a GFR of 10, maybe some people's minds are an indication for starting chronic dialysis. And important to know that there's no practical accurate measurement of GFR that exists in uh, the community available nationally. Um, and again, for the fellows are, um, current gold standard for measuring GFR is the um, uh, is an isotopic GFR, but you can use non-isotopic tracers to either measure disappearance in the plasma or uh, appearance in the urine uh, by the standard sort of 24 hour or the uh, limited collection. All right, so why do we need estimation equations? Because serum creatinine is a poor measure of GFR here, if you will, are some early studies, this is now almost 22 years old, looking at the relationship between serum creatinine um, on the y-axis and um, measured GFR on the uh, um, x-axis. And you can see that this is not a linear relationship. And um, um, when kidney function declines from normal towards abnormal, small changes in creatinine can, make, can mean big changes in GFR. And once your kidney function is really poor, large changes in creatinine can mean small changes in GFR. So where you are on the spectrum can determine what your kidney function is, but since we don't really have a way of, uh, of assigning a value to this exponential function, we need something better. And this is similarly true for women. Um, and defining a normal range can be difficult. The UIHC handbook has this for males and females as the normal range of creatinine. I put it in red uh, to emphasize that it really isn't necessarily normal. So a creatinine of 0.6 in a 18 year old is a GFR of 150. A creatinine of 1.2 in an 80 year old is a GFR of 60. And you can see that those are really very different measurements, although they're listed as normal. And there are many factors that affect serum creatinine. We know many of them because they come in the estimation equations, but nutritional status and muscle mass also matter. 
So again, for the trainees to go back to in time to uh, 1999, when the first equation was introduced, the MDRD equation, and Larry Hunter goes on the call, was one of the early um, uh, leaders of the MDRD study, which really was focused on stu studying the effect of uh, diet on renal disease progression. But from that cohort, um, long after the MDRD portion of the study was completed, were available several patients, including 12% Blacks, to try and come up with an equation that um, uh, captured the available data in that cohort and see if they could predict what kidney function was. And they had a, um, a, a development cohort and a validation cohort. And then this was published in the annals in 1999. And you can show, you can see here the estimation equation compared to the measured GFR. If they're identical, all the values will follow on this line. And you can see they're pretty close to this value, but not quite. And there is a fair amount of spread. The spread gets wider as you go away from uh, very abnormally low GFRs and gets narrower as you get closer to an EGFR of 15. And with this equation now, the nephrology community was able to tell the rest of the world that there's a large number of previously undiagnosed kidney disease out there and a staging criteria for um, kidney disease was born. And I will get to that when we get to the next equation, which is a CKD um, epi uh, equation introduced in 2009. So 10 years later, that's the research group established by the NIH. By then there were additional cohorts for study. Uh, and again, a development set and a validation set, uh, significant number of people, significant number of blacks. And just so you know, the current um, 2020 census has uh, the US black population at 12.4 or 12.8%. So this is overrepresented, this is slightly underrepresented. And here's what they showed. So focus on this graph on the top right. This is the CKD epi equation performance. And what you're looking at now is um, it, it presented a little differently. The estimated GFR is on the x-axis. The difference between the measured and estimated GFR is on the y-axis. So if you have a perfect estimation equation, all the values should fall on this zero line. If it's above this, you're underestimating kidney function. If it's below this, you're overestimating kidney function. And here is the best fit line. It's almost a perfect fit on zero. And that best fit line is what gave us the CKDAP equation. But again, you want to note the degree of spread um, of the values. And they get wider as you go away from uh, low values towards normal values. And so a, any single value here is not really a true uh, measurement, it's an estimate. It can be anywhere from there to down here. Um, but it compares better than the MDRD study. So they used the MDRD equation on the same cohort and demonstrated that it wasn't as good as the CKDAP study. And that is the formula, the infamous formula that is an estimation, hence the small e, it includes age, serum creatinine, gender, and black race or not. Um, and KDGO, the International Guidelines Writing Committee for the International Society of Nephrology recommended that CKDAP replace the MDRD because it has less bias and it's more accurate and has more precision. And by the way, um, what uh, um, uh, um, bias means is the difference 
between the actual GFR and the estimated GFR. And if you take all these values and find the median of the difference, the median difference is uh, 2.5 ml compared to um, the uh, measured GFR, while the median difference for MDRD is greater. So this is clearly better, but it's still an estimate. And that, by the way, is the median. All these values together form a median around here. But it isn't that one value, any single value is different from the actual measured value by 2.5. And P30 is the number of values that are within 30% of the measured GFR, 30%. So to be 30% of a measured value, you could be uh, at 100, you could be 130, um, sorry, 120 or about 70. So it's a big spread. 84% of values are within 30% compared to MDRD. So again, estimations are simply that. But the line is so good that we've um, attached a lot of importance to the single numerical value we get from an estimation equation. The CKD stages were born. We, were asked, um, we asked the world to send us their um, CKD patients. When too many of them appeared, we said, oh, don't send it to them. Send it to us until they're a CKD stage. Um, uh, um, three or less, that is between 30 and 59. And then when there were too many, we said, don't send them to us when they get to 60, send them to us after they get to CKD stage four at the EGFR of 30. All right, the limitations of the equation, it underestimates kidney function in those with normal or near normal renal function, especially in women. And you saw that spread as you get further out towards normal. And we've taken to, to equating an EGFR greater than 60 as normal, when in fact it isn't. Uh, it encompasses normal function stage one and stage two kidney disease. Um, um, these equations can overestimate kidney function in some populations, and we know all those that have poor uh, muscle mass amputees, extreme muscle mass wasting cirrhotics. It's not validated in children, and um, for the purpose of this talk, it may potentiate disparities by using a race-based coefficient. The cystatin C is another marker that can be used to measure GFR, introduced uh, um, uh, by the same CKDFP group developed in 2012. And again, you can see they had a number of studies. Their validation set uh, had an underrepresentation of blacks, but nevertheless, they derived a, 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 an equation that has cystatin C as the marker for GFR, age and gender, but no race. And here is the performance of um, the, uh, the equation. So you can use cystatin C on its own to give you a CKDFE cystatin C equation, or you can combine it with creatinine to give you a combination equation. So that's the 2009 creatinine equation, the 2012 cystatin C equation, and the 2012 combination equation. And you can see the median difference between estimated GFR and measured GFR gets tighter as you get closer to um, end-stage kidney disease and wider as you get further and further away. The median difference is large, um, but it's still uh, within 30% of the measured value, which is sort of shown here almost paradoxically. If you, if you put this in reverse and look at who is outside the 30%, so not P30, but one minus P30, the spread gets wider as you get down here because these small differences um, can be within 30%, while these big differences, sorry, these small differences can be outside 30%. These big differences can be within 
Cystinacy is less affected by muscle mass and diet. There's a constant rate of production and um, it is practical and it is available, but it isn't readily available. It isn't rapidly available and perhaps is more expensive. And I've just told you that it's a race neutral equation. So um, in 2020, 2021, um, uh, um, several people from several prominent institutions said, we need to drop race and drop it now, which is to take that CKDAP 2009 equation and just take out the black coefficient, just remove it. Just use it, use, um, assume that everybody is, uh, is non-black or give them give everybody the EGFR of a non-black. So you just take it out and use it. And the CKDAP group looked at the effect of that in uh, um, self-described blacks. And if you, um, again, this is the estimation equation on the x-axis, the difference between estimated and measured on the y-axis. So if you're perfectly um, uh, um, uh, measuring GFR, all the values should be on the start. And you can see, Using the black coefficient gives you a value that is closer to the truth than, than without in, um, in blacks. With a significant uh, um, reduction in um, kidney function, that is the estimation equation um, overestimates, sorry, um, underestimates kidney function to a much greater degree compared to those with the um, race coefficient. And at good values, you get a much higher value with uh, um, African-American or black compared to without. So this was perceived as a problem because just dropping the race coefficient that wasn't developed without it um, would potentially cause more um, um, inaccuracies. And perhaps that isn't necessarily justice. justice. So with that, removing the race coefficient, 575,000 uh, blacks would be labeled as CKD3 and 69,000 would move from CKD3 to CKD4. So others decided to pursue new alternatives for EGFR and two simultaneous publications in, um, appeared in the New England Journal just last week. Well, it was published last week, but it was available online, I think, for a month or two before. One is a group from uh, um, UCSF, uh, read by Dr. Sue, and he was the lead author on a study called the Crick Study, which is a, a um, um, observational prospective multicenter study that began in 2003. And they were really looking at patients with CKD and seeing, um, if you will, observing the natural history. There are 12,000, sorry, 1,248 participants, 36% Black, 14% were Hispanic in that population. Um, so this is different from the CKD epi study group. Um, and the available data they had going back to the entry of this cohort was measured GFR and a variety of markers that could be a proxy for measured GFR, including 24-hour um, uh, urine creatinine. And it included self-reported race as well as uh, genetic ancestry markers, uh, allowing the investigators to determine whether people in this cohort were of European or African or other ancestry. And again, they had a development set and a validation set. And the question they asked was, can race be replaced by genetic ancestry? Can race be replaced by any other determinants of creatinine unrelated to uh, GFR? can race be eliminated altogether? Um, and so here's what uh, the baseline, baseline information is. 
Um, obviously, um, when you're looking at race, those that self-describe as black are uh, um, black, but there are, um, you know, 2.4 of those that um, self-describe black are also labeled as multiracial. They label themselves as multiracial, much fewer for um, uh, the non-black category, which includes everybody from white to Asian to uh, other. Um, the ages are fairly uh, similar. Uh, this is one of those disparities that we see um, uh, in uh, the US um, as, uh, uh, as uh, you get older, and if you're black, you have less and less education. So you can see the difference in educational um, uh, achievement between black and non-black um, indicating the socioeconomic deprivation that they face. Um, here is the interesting data that they had. So when you look at ancestry markers, those that self-describe black had a mean ancestry of 79.9 and a median of 82.6, um, which is pretty high. And those that self-described as white had a mean of 78.4 and a median of 95.7. Importantly, serum creatinine um, is higher in blacks compared to non-blacks, which is part of the problem with uh, the um, attempting to find a, an equation that corrects for this without um, introducing race. And serum cystatin C, on the other hand, is much closer to each other. So what did they find? Well, they, they tried to just omit black, the black race, as I showed you in an earlier slide. And what they found is that it introduced a median difference in this cohort between um, um, uh, measured GFR and estimated GFR of 3.99 ml. Um, if they used race, as in the original CKD AP equation, it was much less. And if they used African ancestry and um, had a, um, a weighted um, value for every 10% increase, they could get it to a value that is not very much better than having self-described self race. And here is uh, what you need to see for non-Blacks. The CKDIP equation performs very well in non-Blacks. Taking out uh, um, race means that these really should be uh, about the same except here there were probably a small number that uh, described themselves as something else. And here is African ancestry, again, a value that is very close to self-reported race. The P30 value you're now familiar with, um, with all of these, the best um, uh, values are only 86% of the time within 30% of the measured GFR. And is really 30% a true measure of accuracy? I'd say no you'd really want to be looking at seeing who is within 10% of a measured value and see what the CKDAP equation without race does, only 31%. It's not that the others are much better. It's still only 40%. So more than half the time, your estimated value by the existing equations with or without race is not uh, within 10% of the actual value. This is just shown a different way. So the additional coefficient for black race by percent is 12.8, which is really very similar to the 1.15 on the CKDAP equation. Um, and that's 1.6 for every 10% increase in African ancestry. So the median value was 80. So eight times 1.6 come to about 12.8. So fairly close, the coefficient for black race and the coefficient for African ancestry, except this can be dialed up or down from 
10% to 80% or even 100%, depending on the degree of white black admixture. The problem is that doing ancestry markers for every estimation equation is completely impractical. So that's really not on the cards. We also looked at cystatin C and cystatin C, you can see um, whether it's uh, um, uh, um, with race or without race performs pretty well in both groups. And uh, again, the, the P10 is not very good even for cystatin C, but there is at least no disparity between black and non-black. So my take on this particular paper is that black participants are a higher mean serum creatinine, but not cystatin C. Median percentage of African ancestry in self-reported blacks from a 2003 cohort was 82.6. Um, and omitting race and creatinine-based equations underestimated measured GFR in blacks by about 3.99 ml per minute. Um, and there was a 12.8% higher measured GFR in blacks or a 1.6% for every 10% increase in African ancestry when you used either race or ancestry in the equation. And black race was not associated with the cystatin C level. Simultaneously, a second paper appeared in the New England Journal, and this is from the CKD EP group. Um, Andy Levy was the lead author on that 1999, and I think the 2009 CKD EP equation. Um, he's now the last author, and uh, Dr. Inker is the first author. A variety of people are on the study, including several authors of the NKF um, ASN um, um, uh, um, paper that recommended for a change in estimated GFR. And Neil Poe, um, who I think is the chief of medicine at San Francisco General, um, was the lead author on that NKFAS and publication. So their goal of the CKDAP group was to go looking for a new formula to estimate GFR without race. And so they had lots of people to go on there. The old CKDIP cohort, some additional people, you can see the representation of blacks in them. They had a development set, a validation set. And again, they had measured GFR serum creatinine, serum cystadency, and self-reported race. Um, and their goal was to compare the current CKDIP EGFR creatinine, the EGFR cystadin. So that's the 2009 equation and the combination in 2012 with two additional approaches that they wanted to, to um, assess, but in this CKDIP cohort. And obviously the first approach you've already heard about, which is just to remove the black coefficient in the 2009 equation. So you're assigning an EGFR creatinine value and an EGFR creatinine cis value for non-black people to black people. And the second approach was to, is to fit new models with the same regression function, but without race. So I'm gonna take a little bit of time to show you the data here as well. So this is an important slide. This compares the creatinine, the, the proposed new CKD epi equation on the right, the 2009 CKD epi equation on the left, and the old 2009 epi equation with race dropped. So that's age, sex, race, that's age and sex, and this is age, sex, and race, non-black, meaning everybody is non-black. And you can see that, so this again is estimated GFR on this axis, measured GFR on this axis. If, if the estimations were exactly that of the measured, all values will fall on that line, that black line that you see. 
is uh, where all the values will fall. And you can see the spread of the value. So those thousands of samples, each of them are represented here by a dot. The uh, uh, green dots represent blacks, the orange dot represent whites. And you can see they're both spread on both sides. Here's the best fit line. And this is the 2009 CKDAP equation that we are currently using. Um, this is by dropping uh, the, um, the uh, black race from the current coefficient. Um, the uh, regression line now moves um, much above this, meaning this is going to be underestimating kidney function, giving people lower kidney function when they don't really have it. And then here is the, the, the new improved equation, a re-derived or the refit equation as you might start to see um, that performs um, somewhat uh, equally uh, well, if you will, for both blacks and whites. Um, uh, again, um, uh, you wanna look at uh, bias, that's the median difference between measured and estimated GFR and the correct classification, that's an important concept. And that really refers to the number of patients that are appropriately in the, categorized into their correct class, CKD3 versus CKD4, CKD2 versus CKD1. And so the current equation um, uh, is, um, has a bias of minus 3.7%, meaning it overestimates measured GFR by a median of 3.7 ml, a median. There's values on both sides of this, obviously, but it tends to be. Um, uh, an overestimate and the correct classification is only present in 63%. The P30 is 85%. The values that are within 30% of measured value, 85%. And for non-Black, the bias is less. The median difference is much less. P30 is a little bit better, correct classification a little bit better. Here is that uh, dropping Black race without correction gives you a much larger bias, but now you're underestimating GFR by seven. Classification doesn't improve, P30 doesn't improve. Obviously this doesn't change, so these two are the same. And here is a new re-derived equation. You still have bias. Uh, the bias here is now positive, meaning um, black participants will have a slight underestimation of measured GFR by 3.6 and non-blacks uh, will have an overestimation by 3.9. Classification still doesn't improve, but the bias towards one race uh, the, um, that appeared in the original equation is now gone. Um, this is just EGFR creatinine is combined. Um, the bias is less with the current equations when you combine the two. Um, and when you combine the two with the new refit, re-derived EGFR creatinine, it gets even better for blacks, but it doesn't perform as well for whites with an overestimation of measured GFR um, in, in that situation. And that's what I've just told you. The EGFR cystatin C equation alone didn't change and functions reasonably well if you assume that 85 and 60% classification is reasonably well. Uh, this is just presented a little differently. It's just showing you the median difference between measured and estimated GFR for each of those. It was minus 3.7 to start with. Um, it is uh, um, uh, and minus 0.5 for non-Black participants. With the new improved, it, drops, it becomes a positive value. This becomes a negative value. And this is the one where Black race was just removed, dropped. 
The differential GFR between these two was minus 3.2. The differential GFR between these two is 7.6. And you can see here that uh, the um, new equation has introduced a um, larger bias for non-black compared to black. Um, all right. Um, and this is another way to say that the um, classification was only about 60%, uh, improves from 63, sorry, it doesn't improve from, it's improved from 63 to 67 when you combine with cisnat and C, or from 61 to 68 with the new equation when you combine it with cisnat and C for both groups. The, the improvement is much greater here compared to the improvement here, but it's still only about 70%. This is another way to look at it. Um, so uh, this is the median value of the original CKDP equation. You can see it sort of at a uh, bias of minus four ml per minute for blacks, almost zero for whites. Um, this is dropping the uh, race correction. Now you get a positive bias of about seven. And the new proposed formula straddles um, zero equally on both sides. And I'm not going to talk about those. So I'm going to conclude by saying that the new EGFR creatinine equations introduce a larger bias in each race group and larger differential bias. Omitting black race without refitting the equation probably led to large differences in EGFR and blacks. And that I think is an example of a well-intentioned um, uh, move which probably had adverse consequences. And the new EGFR creatine equation may be more equitable, but it does introduce a bias in non-Black persons. And combining it with CISAD and C minimize the inaccuracy for both race groups. The new equation minimized it more than the old equation. And it therefore minimized the differences in EGFR, uh, uh, sorry, differences in estimated CKD prevalence. So you could ask, um, why change? And maybe I could stop here and take questions if people have clarifications about the stuff that I've presented so far. Feel free yeah. to mute yourself, yes. Uh, hi, hi, Lama here. I, I don't have a clarification, but I guess more for discussion and I'm sure other people are going to um, weigh in, but I'm listening to your talk for the second time so I can solidify it in my head here. Um, and I'm just that, you know, ruminating over this. I don't see a problem in this reverse bias. I'm thinking now that this is actually a very, very interesting, uh, like a social um, justice kind of in kidney disease experiment. So if you remove just the race and leave everything else, you are flipping just one uh, um, factor. Like, you know, so you're eliminating confounding factors by uh, you know, so instead of underestimating, uh, overestimating GFR, you're underestimating it in blacks. Why don't we do that like everybody else since a lot of other institutions are doing that and see if this will lead to improved kidney disease in blacks. You know, I know that you're, you know, the third, the third, um, the third possibility, like you said, would be to take the creatinine and cystatin C together and then that will help uh, minimize, uh, you know, the, uh, or help rather, uh, it will cause basically a, a bias for the, you know, for, uh, for uh, Caucasians, right, in the opposite direction. And that will be like kind of an equivalent. But I feel like the less factors you put into this, you know, the less changes, one change at a time, like in medicine, I'm thinking, you know, and, and, and everybody's going to wonder, why don't we just switch to statin C? Well, Christy will tell you that, that what um, the head of the lab said that it's, this is super expensive and it's just not possible. So we're going to have to come to a decision as what we're going to do moving forward. But if we cannot use the statin C, which would be the gold standard, 
I'm thinking the first, the, you know, the option of just removing race actually makes sense because it's a social experiment where you only have one thing flipped now in, in, in a positive way towards uh, um, the minority of patients who are receiving worse care. That's just my opinion, but I'm no, sure that's, uh, that's listen, the, hear the giants what they want to say. Dr. No, <laughs> so let me just quickly take you back to um, uh, cystadency on its own. You know, to be fair, it, it works very well, at least the median value falls on zero for blacks and to, it's uh, not as good for whites. Again, estimation equations are simply that the median value is not, does not represent all the values. It's still only functioning at about 40% within measured GFR. Uh, that's not a very good value. So when you're making critical decisions, I would argue you need at least Two, estimate, two different ways to estimate kidney function if you're going to make a critical decision about management or about a disease label or about insurance underwriting. Um, so, let me get to the question. Have... Yeah, can I just answer Ben's question? So what um, uh, Matt Krasowski in the lab said is that currently we order 100,000 creatins in a year and less than 1,000 cystatin Cs. We have a reasonably rapid turnaround, meaning it's just a few hours for cystatin C. But nobody really knows if the, if the country has the capacity to process hundreds of thousands of cystatin C and if they can bring it in-house. The VA, for example, it's a send-out test now, so you don't actually get it back even on the same day. So, you know, proposing um, having a um, cystatin C before a GFR is reported is a worthy goal, but I don't think we can get there today. Yes, go ahead. Whoever had the question. I think it was maybe Dave. Dave. Yes. yes Dave. Um, so my question is, I don't know why I'm getting echoing. You've got two devices on. Uh, sure. And maybe you can hear me through my wall. All right. Maybe that works. Does that work? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Uh, my fault. So I guess the two things and a little bit of what Lama said. One is, you know, the idea for at least screening for folks is to have a sensitive, maybe not specific test. Um, and from, from my standpoint, it would be better to overestimate the number of people with potential kidney disease that could benefit from care than to underestimate them. And so it seems like eliminating the race actually favors that sort of an approach. Um, and then the second, so that's a sort of a statement, but the question was, if you look at the clinical question, which is progression to ESRD, uh, and, and which is what we really would like to know, you know, how well do the equations um, predict the likelihood that somebody is going to progress to ESRD? Because at the end of the day, it's not really what their number is, that their, their GFR is that we want to know. It's how likely they are to progress to needing renal replacement therapy and the consequences of having an stage renal disease. So those are my, that's my question to you. Is it, would that, you know, for example, with all those studies they have from 15 and 20 year follow-up, do we know anything from that? Um, I don't. So let me just try and answer both questions. I mean, I think for those who believe that giving people a label of a disease is justice, you would want to um, uh, underestimate their kidney function and give them a disease. But you could argue that giving them a disease might mean that they're now deprived of the use of metformin, the best drug we have for treating diabetes. 
they might be deprived the use of an SGLT2 inhibitor, which we now believe is going to be useful for people with um, certain types of non-diabetic chronic kidney disease. So it isn't a simple matter of let's, let's give people a disease because that's better for them. They will come under medical care. But it's not necessarily true. And it isn't, again, I think for us to decide which is better. Um, we're not really discussing, I think, when it comes to this issue, whether the new test is more accurate than the old. I don't think it is. The issue is, can we just not be looking at race when we're doing an estimation equation and deal with the, um, the inaccuracies of whatever estimation equation we have and be sure to use more than one method? The answer to your second question, I suspect that you're just moving a person on a different um, progression line and it probably won't change the rate of progression. You'll just be having a different line of progression because your value has, uh, the, the, the estimated value has changed. That's my opinion. But I suspect, as you said, there are um, cohorts out there that can be studied to see if the, if the, um, the, the prediction changes for time to ESRD, for example. I can Anybody else? Question. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, to Dave's question, uh, actually, the only thing that the creatinine tells you is at that moment in time where the kidney function is, is not really a predictor of progression to ESRD. There are all kinds of calculators that have been developed, some better than others. There is probably the best one is uh, one that for patients with type 2 diabetes, but uh, as far as, again, uh, predictor uh, factor for ESRD, that's not the case. All right. So why change? Here's right. my, Could I make yeah, a comment, yeah, Christine? Of course, Larry. Yes, yes. The CKD I think uh, basically uh, Moni has, I think, scooped me. But one of the things that we found in the uh, MDRD, actually, I was the first author of that paper, is that there is no relationship between the initial GFR and the rate of progression. Now, that doesn't mean that there is no relationship between the initial GFR and time to failure. There obviously is. Um, but it is not the case that we can predict the rate of progression from the initial GFR in non-diabetic and in, in non-transplant uh, kidney disease. And similarly, we've seen the same thing when we looked at transplants. So uh, um, David is right on that from the point of view of what we really want to know is does precision in estimating the GFR really make any difference in our ability to predict the future? And the answer is probably not. Uh, however, that may not answer the issue. There are lots of issues that I think you're going to get to later on where there are classification decisions which depend critically on where you are on one or the other side of these barriers that make big differences. And those are also important issues. Uh, and so maybe what I'll say is uh, we shouldn't really think that measuring the GFR tells you how fast renal disease is going to progress, but it may be very important in finding out whether people get, for instance, qualified for uh, listing or for the ability to get insurance or other things like that, which are social, well, social and medical issues that are quite independent of the issue of prediction of the future. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, the impetus to do this is 
um, that we know chronic kidney disease is common in African-Americans. Um, you know, I start most of my research talks by saying these patients are at increased risk of death from cardiovascular disease more so than ending up on dialysis. But the truth of the matter is African-Americans are a population that is at increased risk of progression and, and developing end-stage kidney disease um, more so than uh, death from cardiovascular disease. And we do have a lot of literature that shows um, they are, you know, less likely um, to get a transplant, they are more likely to start on dialysis and be listed for a long time before they get a transplant. And I do realize um, estimated GFR and the criteria for that are not the only factor. However, I do think that if we are overestimating GFR in the advanced stages of CKD in Blacks, that that could be part of a systematic issue that delays um, their access to transplantation. And um, I think that in the summer, um, I presented um, a study that was published in, uh, in JAMA um, where they did look at this in CRIC and they demonstrated that, um, you know, uh, removing grace um, from the CKD epi formula um, would reduce um, time to end-stage kidney disease and time to qualification for kidney transplantation for Blacks. So in my mind, that would be the, the impetus to do this. I will say, whether you're overestimating, in my opinion, GFR a little bit in whites or in Blacks or underestimating it a little bit in the earlier stages of chronic kidney disease, in my mind, I really don't see how that will make a significant um, clinical difference on whether we prescribe metformin or SGLT2 inhibitors. So for me, I think the benefit of leveling the playing field for access to transplantation outweighs all of these other risks out there. And I think that that's where the NKF ASN recommendations come from. Um, it's not necessarily um, an experiment. Um, it's just um, weighing uh, clinically significant um, effects of um, how we quantify things currently. Um, um, thank you, Diana. So I, I do want to respond to, to that issue, but I also want to get through the remaining slides. So maybe I'll come back to Diana's question about lack of harm when your GFR is closer to normal and whether um, referrals oh, or time Christy, I didn't transfer. say lack of harm. I just said, I think that, that it's not necessarily going to result in significant clinical implications. Um, if you're giving the GFR three points up or three points minus in someone with stage three CKD. All right, so let me move on. Uh, so why change? Well, um, for one, um, a powerful task force uh, representing jointly the NKF and the ASN came out with their recommendations published at the same time as those two New England Journal papers. And it's not like they were oblivious to each other. Um, the data from that was well known to all uh, parties. And here was their, um, uh, this is their visual abstract. Recommend immediate implementation of the CKDAP creatinine equation, refit without the race variable. That's the third equation that I showed you. And the reason, and you can't read this here, so I've restated it here is because the calculation does not include race. It included diversity in its development, meaning the uh, population studied represented people from all ancestries, uh, genders, ages, and was much larger in number than before. 
And most importantly um, for the social justice issue is that its adverse consequences do not disproportionately affect any one race group. So this is not, again, speaking to accuracy or precision. It's just saying it's no longer um, having making a difference based on race, and it's immediately available to all laboratories. Obviously, they recognize the limitations of creatinine as the sole determinant of um, estimated GFR in whatever equation you use. And so they're calling for a national effort to increase use of cystatin C and continued um, research to find even better markers that more closely approximate measured GFR. Here are some other reasons to change. Um, um, those race um, cohorts that were being studied in these um, studies were not self-reported in a clinic. These were forms that patients filled out to enter a study. So they clearly stated what they were. And back then, there probably wasn't the increasing um, blurring of racial categories as is evident now. So in 2020, 33.8 million people categorized themselves as uh, multiracial, substantially higher than it was in the 2010 census. And having a black, non-black binary differentiation does not help people that categorize this way. And also another interesting factoid, uh, after the white race, the next highest race in the 2020 census was some other race alone or in combination, not blacks, uh, some other race alone or in combination was the largest racial, second largest racial group at 49.9 million. Obviously some of them were blacks plus something else, but you can see again that um, trying to choose that category is going to become increasingly difficult, even if it was the most accurate um, um, ca um, calculation that existed. And as you, as we, as I know, race in medicine is not always verified by checking the demographic section, nor do patients always self-report it because my own demographic section in my EPIC record does not reflect who I think I am. And I'm not even sure how the system decided that I was white, uh, but that's what my EPIC record says in the demographic section. And I suspect that we, many of us look at the skin tone of an individual and perhaps some other features to decide what race to categorize them as rather than trying to determine it by some other mechanism. Obviously avoids the association of one race with a, diff with a different estimator function. And um, it's also becoming clear that the CKDIP equation um, as derived from the North American population may not hold up in other parts of the world where um, people of the same African ancestry are present, such as in Sub-Saharan Africa. And that may just have to be another limitation that perhaps should exclude race. Cystatency is not readily available, so we can't really use it. And by the way, Medicare does not reimburse for cystatency for people who's thought to have CKD stage one or two or five or four. I think it's only 3A and 3B. And so, if Medicare is the largest funder of people in the CKD age group, we can't really get it done even if we had it immediately available. And I think importantly for uh, those of us who are going to um, have to interact with medical students, um, deans in the College of Medicine and so on, we're going to have to answer for why we don't want to change. And it, you know, it's taken me 45 minutes to tell you about uh, um, what one equation does and another one doesn't. And it's not an easy elevator 
pitch that you can actually uh, state. And besides, people are very vocal about one side or the other, and it's difficult, I think, to have a reasoned argument. And so inaction can become a distraction. So here's what I suggested to the University of Iowa, which is one is to keep things as they are. The other is to have a transition where you have the original equations, now referencing the, the time in which the equations came about and the new equation. And whatever we choose, I suggested strongly that some caveats be put in so that people looking at these single numerical values know that that numerical value is not the measured GFR. It lacks accuracy, especially with a GFR of 60 or greater. Refit equations estimate underestimate GFR and black square median of 3.6 and overestimate GFR and non-black square median of 3.9, but they won't be race reported. So it's up to the clinician to decide and also urging them to use SysTad and C to estimate EGFR. And we could even put in a statement here about the P30 value, what fraction of um, measurements are actually going to be, what fraction of estimates are within 30%. And this is my suggested equation, which is just go directly to the new one, but continue to put these caveats in so people know that these are simply estimates and no important threshold decision should be made with a single, um, creatinine-based EGFR. Um, and uh, the other things that I think we should do is highlight creatinine only if the EGFR, by whatever calculation you use, is less than 90. Because now we highlight creatinine if it's outside the 0.6 to 1.2 for males and 0.5 to 1.0 for females. But it should only be highlighted if the estimation equation says it is less than 90. When we're importing external creatinine, I suggested not to import the external EGFR and use our own uh, estimation equations or leave it without an estimation equations. Obviously, the lab will have to explore options to scale up the SysTad and C measurement. I suggested adding a new um, test called the um, uh, EGFR SIS for every SysTad and C measurement. So you now have an estimation equation, even though you might not have asked for it and to move it up to the basic metabolic panel. So the cystadency is now under creatinine not buried in the calcium um, uh, magnesium uh, section, which where people who didn't know they had a cystadency value won't find it. And then to add a new order called EGFR creatinine cis, where you will only be getting a creatinine and a cystadency because your goal there is to really um, estimate GFR in three different ways. Cystadin alone, creatinine refit without race, and cystadin creatinine refit without race. Um, I think I've already said this. Um, and again, for the fellows and the nurse practitioners, this is our estimation equation. This is not an accurate measure. Look at the spread. I can show you the CKDAP 2021, but you've already seen it. It looks the same. So there's a big spread around the mean or the median. And um, it's also important to keep in mind that if you have people at certain extremes of population, don't necessarily use the combination function to determine kidney function. So for example, if somebody is extremely emaciated or um, is a bilateral amputee, use the cystadin C alone to estimate GFR rather than diluting its value by combining it with a creatinine, which may be falsely uh, low and therefore the estimation equation will be falsely high. All right. Um, there's two minutes left for questions. If nobody asks a question, I'll respond to Diana's um, um, comments. Um, Why don't you respond I, first? Um, she got priority. 
I just put in a comment, Christy, after Diana's, um, about your last suggestions about, I think that's too complex to be replicated and, and using multiple options is just gonna confuse everyone. I think it's time to remove um, race from the equation. That's yeah, my so opinion. that's this one. This is what I suggested that they do. Um, actually, uh, Julia Klesny takes on, she was on the, she's on the DSS committee. She gets to decide, but we need to be comfortable that this is what we would as a group want to use, this equation. And I strongly suggest that we use these caveats, not for us as nephrologists, but for everybody else who might make decisions around thresholds, radiologists, primary care docs, orthopedic docs, you know, whoever. Um, sorry, is the, go ahead. Is the, is the plan to remove the caveats at some time in the future? I think <laughs> I, I would also probably advocate for just making the change without the caveats. And I think the reason is that I think we're supposed to be kind of stewards of this kind of decision and how it's being used. And I think, uh, I think, I think it's probably the right thing to do. And I think we should just, we should do it. But how would people know that this is an estimate and not um, close to the measured value in a significant fraction of people? They can read the papers. Well, like, I think like the, no, they can't. They're not no, no, going no. to. Well, that, no, I, that, I think as you guys, as you said, I think those estimates were there in the in the in the numbers that people are using now, and I think that's not changed by using this equation. What we're doing is we're getting rid of the arguable disservice that we may be doing to people that, that are reported as black. And we teach, we teach that on the service all the time, that these are estimates and so on and so forth. And I think that our role in doing that isn't changed by using the this different equation. So, so Christy, I, I wanna just make another comment if I might. We yeah. have to distinguish between what you were asked to do, which was to advise the, um, whoever it was, how we should report estimated GFR. That's one question, but the real issues that are involved in this whole issue are not issues of how we measure, they're issues of how we use the data. And I want to just be sure that we all understand that using a perfect measurement, you know, isn't going to make this issue go away because there are issues of whether, you know, what, what should you do? Should we be listing everybody with a creatinine of, uh, not a creatinine, but an uh, EGFR less than 20? Well, you know, and I know that that makes no goddamn sense at all because some people are totally asymptomatic until their GFR is estimated GFR is down around 10 or seven. Uh, we have a whole batch of issues that are sociological and whatever that are that are based on how we use the measurement, not on how we measure something. And I don't want to confuse these two issues. Agreed. Um, other thoughts? The only thing I would say is. Well, I think what you're, you're you run you have a middle ground there that's reasonable. Um, if it disadvantages our non-African American population to not just drop it, which is what it sounds like it's going to do, 
I'm not sure we want. I, I'm not sure we want to create a new disadvantaged group if everybody else out there, coming back to Larry's last point, is using an eGFR that actually is lower that allows them to get on the list sooner. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I can live with what you're suggesting. I have to say, um, but again, it comes back to my point. I guess my I would rather have this over overcall kidney disease and get people seen by nephrologists and that sort of stuff, even. You know, and, and that may be able to help them make better decisions. Other comments? I guess is the only non-nephrologist I think on this <laughs> this meeting. I, I, my concern is that that be all end all in my brain when I see a patient in clinic is not transplant. I'm not expecting them to go there. I'm making medication decisions. I'm dosing antibiotics. I'm changing prophylaxis. And yes, I know I should be doing that. Um, I should be doing that with creatinine clearance as the pharmacists are always telling me, but I kind of eyeball the, the GFR. And so I, I think that to fix the disparity problem that you have in transplantation is completely separate from this question about what the non-nephrologist thinks about the estimated GFR. And I, I simply don't accept that cystatin C is too expensive or that there couldn't be another possible solution to this? Well, but Julia, it's, I do think the pharmacists are correct when it does come to medication dosaging because the vast majority of literature, when you look at medication dosaging, does utilize um, creatinine clearance. And, and oh, I'm aware of that, Diana. Yeah. So you, you are not doing it. What you're using now is not necessarily 100% accurate. Um, and I think that that's okay, because like I say, I do think that two or three points here or there, particularly in the earlier stages of CKD, is not going to significantly um, alter clinical decision-making. And I think when you're dealing with medications like chemotherapy and, and transplant medications and, and different antibiotics in high-risk patient populations, you know, the clinical pharmacists need to be educated on um, and to, to help and facilitate uh, what we're doing. But I, I, I genuinely believe that the risk of harm in those situations is low. But the truth of the matter is walk into any dialysis unit, even in the whitest of neighborhoods, and you're gonna see a disproportionately larger number of black people sitting on a dialysis machine. And I remember my patients from Denver, they would wait 10 years, 12 years to get a kidney, were late to starting them, late to, to getting them a fistula, late to referring them. Um, and, and that is just a systematic issue that's not entirely related to the GFR formula, but if we are compounding the matter with the measurement that we're using um, and how we're, we're interpreting the data, then I do think we have a moral obligation uh, to make that, uh, that switch. Just a yeah. couple of comments. Yeah, sorry. go ahead. Um, sorry, Christine. Uh, coming back to what uh, Diana said about pharmacists being quite aware, I think it's very necessary that the pharmacists be aware of where we are with these calculations. I was talking to uh, a few, I mean, uh, irrespective of who I was talking to, pharmacists actually use Cockcroft Galt a lot. Because that's where, I mean, if you look at uh, package inserts for drugs or yeah. FDA, uh, FDA approval for drugs, there is no talk of MDRD. There's no talk no. of CKD EPA. It's all Cockcroft Galt. So they are like one, uh, I mean, an, uh, what's it, one layer even before all of this. So uh, when, when I shared that, uh, that slide that you have, number 36, which is the unifying approach, uh, the pharmacist I was talking to, oh, wow, thank you for educating me. I didn't even know that uh, 
I mean, even MDRD was quite a revelation for him. That's one thing. The second thing uh, that I wanted to say, uh, which I'm, uh, oh gosh, I, I lost my own train of thought, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, we talk a lot. Yes, we, we started approaching this as in, hey, here's a, um, a, a disparity with race using transplantation as the first um, as the main example and then it moved into oh you know these are estimated equations we are not really getting at uh, true measurements of gfr so it's it's morphed into different diff, uh, other implications but if you come back to that issue the crick study actually did show that african americans have a faster rate of progression to esrd um, I mean, there. If someone, I mean, equated at a at a GFR. Um, I mean, again, simply based on Crick study, they they actually have a graph which shows that African Americans, determined by genetic analysis, APOL1 association, they actually have a faster rate of reaching ESRD and reaching. Um, the need for dialysis. So if you are to take that into consideration and separate, okay, look, uh, let's look at this issue of transplantation and leave alone, I mean, and separate accuracy from transplantation and the race disadvantage that has happened. What if you just considering transplantation alone, you say, I'm, you know, when it comes to transplant, when it comes to listing or when it comes to putting someone on the list, we're not going to use a race based uh, formula uh, and everyone becomes equal just for that indication. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to, I mean, I, I know that's not the best way to, to approach such a big issue wherein you, you don't want to tease out saying in this situation, use this. But it, it, it's, I think we have, I mean, this is, whole thing has evolved quite quickly, which it should. I mean, I think we're, we're making the right discussions. So the problem, Sharath, is that um, regardless of what a transplant center says, until a patient comes through their door, none of this matters. And I think that um, whether or not you give um, a Black person three ml per minute less does not make them more likely to get to a transplant center. It doesn't certainly make it more likely that the transplant center will get them to the wait list faster, even if they came through the door at the same rate. The best way if you wanted to remove white privilege in deceased donor transplantation is eliminate preemptive transplants, rather eliminate waiting based on um, uh, EGFR of 20. Waiting time only starts after you start dialysis. So that those that are, that are affluent, those that have living donors, those that have ability to travel and get listed in multiple places can still have access to shorter wait times. But they would not um, unfairly disadvantage an African-American. And that, I think, is where you would have the maximum impact, remove that uh, waiting, waiting time until dialysis starts. The sensitized to living. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's, to be honest with you. I mean, the, I think as a pathology community, we have an obligation to move the field forward. We know that are significantly better after a trend as opposed to dialysis. I think, you know, statistically and um, ambitiously, our goal should be to move towards getting more people from clinic to kidney transplant um, without them ever needing to start dialysis. So 
you know, that's where for me, I think removing the disparity, um, I don't know, it's, it's, that's, that's not worth it. But I do think that flagging African-Americans um, sooner um, so that they can uh, be managed a little bit more aggressively and referred earlier um, is, uh, is better. I mean, I, and I think it's, it's worth a try. Christy, I mean, honestly, Inker et al, table four, says it all. Uh, the differences are minor in low GFR. And that's where we are treating patients, people with low GFR. You just said CKD3B even and above, right? And, and worse, rather. So one and two, I don't really care if somebody is over or underestimated when their GFR is greater than 90 or 89. I mean, that's just purest thinking. Yeah, or not, 60 or, or 55 or yeah, 50. That's yeah, not gonna, nobody's going to take yeah. away metformin in that stage. For... It's time to move on. It's time. I mean, this is all just purest thinking and it really dismisses that, you know, the equity and inclusion part of what we're trying to do here. I mean, and this is typical nephrology behavior. We come out with a drug and we don't prescribe it. How many more um, randomized control trials do we need of the Flozins? I know you're smiling, but how, who's prescribing them? I am. Anybody else? In clinic, I, I mean, prescribe them. Right. We are. Well, let's let's you. not let's not digress. We are proposing. No, I'm giving an example. I'm not digressing. This is another case of, you know, we're seeing the bias. We're seeing, you know, the impact that we have on on the nephrology society. You know, as on on communities on nephrology, you know, on nephrology patients, and we you know we we're failing to do the right right thing, in my opinion, yeah. if we don't remove the bias. Yeah. So in our because hospital, table four of Inker et al. Another point I want to make. I'm sorry, is that. Sue et al, the previous uh, paper you presented, yeah. they're also purists for bringing up P10. I mean, why did Inker et al not talk about P10? They're talking about P30. If you look uh, at P30, the differences are not, not so bad. When you, we don't need to, again, be purists and, and try to, then we'll bring up P5 and then we'll bring up P1. We are not purists. I mean, I think that that's, that's the thing. And I do think the search for a, a more accurate assessment of kidney function, which is uh, affordable and, um, and delivers for us needs to continue. However, in the meantime, I do think that we just can't afford to continue to disadvantage, um, just as Sarat said, so they are less likely to start with the transplant, less likely this, less likely that, and yet they are um, at a significantly higher risk of kidney disease progression. And I just don't think we can afford to overestimate their GFR in the advanced stages of, uh, of CKD. Do I think this is the solution to all of the problems? No, not at all, not even close. Um, but I think it is the right thing to do for now. So I think the other thing that we haven't talked about that we use this for in transplant is the question of donation, right? And um, given that the risk for African-Americans is higher, don't we want to, we want to err on the side of protecting people. So we will probably underestimate some people by this who don't go into the next step and get their statin Cs but who are African-American and say you can't donate, I'm not sure that's such a bad thing either. So I think you get the advantage on the transplant side and potentially protect people on the other side. I, I just want to reiterate that there are issues of metrication and issues of how we use the measures. I think that David and I and Christy and anybody else who's been involved with UNOS knows that we are always having problems when we have arbitrary uh, barriers between two sides where the two groups are very, very close. To, to respond a little bit to Julia, uh, fortunately, there is the ability to use clinical judgment when you're 
deciding whether you're going to give a person uh, who has an EGFR of 24 um, metformin, for instance. We well, you know, it's the to what it's a small difference and it's important to the patient, so we can use it. There are unfortunately uh, administrative issues that are very difficult to deal with, such as when will you be able to list for transplantation a patient who has a GFR of thus and such. And these are administrative problems that have to be addressed from an administrative point of view, not a question of what is the most accurate way to measure. Uh, you know, whether you change the thing or not, you still have the problem that a person who has an EGFR by any of these methods is not meaningfully different from a person who has an EGFR of 19 with respect to the need to list them. Yeah, I agree. So, so we do have a faculty meeting afterwards. You know, thank you for wonderful discussion. And I think uh, Diana and, uh, and Larry's comment will be uh, the closing. So let's uh, have uh, all the non-faculties uh, lock off. And, uh, yeah, in a minute or two, we'll continue on with faculty meeting. Julia, that's you too. Thank you, Percy. <laughs>